Get your local and world news right here on This Morning, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. Good morning to you. It's 7.33. It's 30 years and just a few days since the word web took on a whole new meaning. The World Wide Web's 30th birthday last week prompted social commentators to reflect on its revolutionary impact. But even the web itself is is constantly changing. A quick reflection on that. Think 30 years ago what it was like. Can you even imagine it from where we are now? And can we possibly imagine where it might be 30 years from now? To help us better understand, we have first on the line Professor Dame Wendy Hall of the Computer Science Department at the University of Southampton. Good morning to you. Uh, good evening. <laughs> yes, indeed. Good evening to you where you are, as I'm very familiar with. Good morning. With you, with your time difference. And we thank you for joining us. We, we often hear, by the way, the terms internet and the web used interchangeably, but they are different. Yeah. Can, can you clarify, though, for us? It's very simple. The Internet is a network of computers um, that uh, existed before the web, and the World Wide Web is the um, software, the application that sits on top of the computers that enables us to exchange files between computers very easily at the click of a button. So... Could we also view it in these terms, that the internet drives the connectivity that we all enjoy, whether it's through chat applications or, or various other mobile apps, whereas the web is, is when we hear about web-based browsing or web-based chatting, it, it's, it's literally typing in the www. Um, no, I wouldn't say it like that. No, I'd keep it very simple. Um, you've got a network of computers, and the web is a layer across that that enables you to do the chatting. So, um, uh, you know, when you click on a, uh, something on a web browser, it pulls down a file from another computer, effectively. Um, you could do that before the web. The web just gave us a very simple way of doing it. And right, then everything I mean, could- else is built on top of that. Yeah, I, I just wonder whether, and I, and I appreciate the accuracy of your description, but whether many of us view it in, in the terms that I describe, because it, it, it does start to get, well, it starts to feel complicated. So, for example, when we have a, um, you know, a chatting application on our phone, is that um, connected in any way to what you would describe as the web? Um, what do you mean a chatting application on your phone? Do you mean a message like a WhatsApp or Instagram? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's using the protocols of the World Wide Web in order to um, to to achieve that. Um, and so, and the terms web and internet are used interchangeably. So, it's at one level, um, it, it you know they they both depend on each other. <clears throat> so, technically, they're different. Yeah. Uh, but the the chatting, of course, is driven by what we do. We put the content on. So, um, you know, it's a it's a technology. It's, a, it's what people do with it that makes it grow. It really is interesting how <laughs> intertwined that is, and I guess the word "web" itself probably gives us that clue. But yeah, um, of course, in some. I mean, in, when we were first talking about web science, and that, mm. we realised that there was no good word in Chinese, for example, um, for the web. Um, so people often talk about the net or the internet uh, because there's no. Uh, there's no good translation of uh, web uh, to give it the meaning. So it's often referred to in, as, the, as the net or the internet. 
But, um, you know, there's layers of technical protocols, but that's not what people understand. They just they just have um, an interface that they use to put content onto uh, the network effectively. The reason why it's important for us to try to set this out from the start is is because it's possibly even more wide-ranging, the impact of the web, than people had even imagined if they had perhaps fallen into the misconception of trying to neatly compartmentalise the internet and, and the web or, or applications. Um, can you give us your best assessment of... Of, of some of the most tremendous moments in this 30 years, going from the years where we would sit there and listen to that awful noise to, to where uh, we are today. And, and the modem, yeah. Yeah. Modem. Well, <clears throat> well, in fact, uh, you, can, you can think of it in many different ways. The first 10 years was, was very much about... Um, it wasn't a common thing because we didn't have... Um, so it started effectively in 1990, and we, we didn't have broadband or Wi-Fi, so you could only get onto it at home if you had a modem and a computer, and very few people did in those days. Um, uh, the networks were just too slow, and computers were very expensive. Um, and when the technology changed, so it was Wi-Fi and broadband, the price of computers uh, came down. We all got laptops, um, and that's when we started to using using the web in our homes, and that's when it was possible for internet shopping to take off, uh, for example, as the browsers became more interactive and, f- and everything became faster, so it was possible to put a catalogue online and actually um, interact with it at home. And Google emerged in um, around about 2000. Before that, we didn't have a search engine that was as accurate as Google is. Um, and then, of course, we got in the Later, in this, as we moved into this century, um, in the 2000s, we got the, the mobile Wi-Fi, and we got smartphones, and that's when it really took off. That's when the that's what enabled the social networks to take off, because we were able to um, put this content on and use message systems while we were on the move. And um, I've been to Korea; I know exactly what it's like. Everyone looking at their phones all the time. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that, that was where it really began to take off and we all became quite hooked. If I'd interviewed you when you and your team at the University of Southampton were working on linked information systems even before the web, and if I'd asked you back mm. then whether you could mm. possibly have envisaged where we are now, um, or if I'd even just described to you what you've just described to me, what, what, what do you think your reaction would have been? <laughs> Well, I, I, it, we wouldn't have talked about it in these terms, although I did, back in the very early days, um, we were playing with wear, what we called wearable technology in those days, which we called it wearable technology in those days. It was an IBM hard disk strapped to your waist with go, go, uh, sort of um, um, things like uh, goggles and, and a microphone to interact. Um, we didn't have... The, it, it, it was a combination of, of the software... Or, uh, and the technology. So it was the fact that we now have mobile phones. I don't think any of us envisaged that happening quite so fast and how um, it would all play out in terms of, if you remember, um, people didn't predict that everybody would have a mobile phone. 
you know, they were they were thought to be something that would be only a minority of people would have because they would be so expensive and mm. so heavy to carry around. And so it isn't just that we didn't understand what um, a global information system would be like, is we didn't realise what the carrier for that would be. Right. Because like, back in, if you'd have interviewed me back in the 80s, you know, computers were big and cumbersome and you couldn't move them around very easily. You had to be sitting at your desk attached to the network almost physically before you could use it. So it was a leap of imagination. And in fact, you know, you could think of it, a sci-fi gave us, we sort of achieved what the sci-fi, science fiction promised us. Um, but I think what's, what's been really interesting is how it's played out because we all assumed it would be used for the good. And of course, it's actually, you know, there's every, everything about society you see played out on the web. All, the, all that's bad about society as well as all that's good. And I think that's what's surprised a lot of us as well. Well, I'm still waiting for my Back to the Future hoverboard, but no, generally sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you do, have, you do have your mobile device that you talk into, as they did in uh, Star Trek. Indeed. <laughs> Professor Dane Wendy Hall of the Computer Science Department at my old University of Southampton. Um, really? I, oh, fabulous. It's the history fabulous. department for me, but nevertheless, thank you very much oh, for speaking right. with us. Okay, thanks for that. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. Likewise. Have a good day. Uh, okay. and, and to you too. Uh, let's continue with some of the other implications the tech side is highly complex i think professor dame wendy hall did a great job at least for me of bringing me closer into that uh, but even then it, it's kind of mind-blowing um but we also might wonder about the social impact we often talk about social media and that's kind of interchangeable with the web let's hear these words or let me just read them for you briefly from inventor tim berners lee um, literally the inventor of the World Wide Web, on the 30th birthday, he said, while the web has created opportunity, given marginalised groups a voice and made our daily lives easier, it has also created opportunity for scammers, given a voice to those who spread hatred and made all kinds of crime easier to commit. Professor John Pavlik from the School of Communication and Information at Rutgers University now joins us on the line. And thank you also for taking the time. It's a great pleasure. On balance, I mean, I was asking our listeners before, on balance, would you say there's more in the plus column than the minus column, or is it about even at this point? <laughs> well, you know, it's, that's a challenging metric, but I would, uh, kind of on, an, on a basic level, I would suggest that it's, there's more on the plus side than, than on the minus side, just in the sense that the public now has a platform to engage in a global conversation in a way that they really never had before so i think that's you know on, on the whole is, is a positive but it doesn't you know it doesn't come without uh, some serious uh, uh negative consequences as well and i i think mean, when you look at the, the social consequences and the implications of modern communication you don't know what it can spur it can spur hatred uh, and maybe this uh, horrible tragedy that just happened in new zealand is partly related to that Indeed. But that is just an expression of humanity, isn't it? And, and, and look at some of the horrors of the 20th century pre-internet. We can't put all the blame on, on, on being able to communicate more freely. No, no, not at all. And I think that uh, for the public, 
there's a whole new opportunity to engage in the discourse about matters of, of importance or, you know, not. They don't have to all be uh, things that are of pressing uh, import, but people have access to journalism from all around the world and, and news in all its forms in ways that they never had access before. So that, I think, is a huge plus that people can be informed now. Now, whether they, whether they choose not to be or whether there's a lot of misinformation that might mislead people, I think one of the th- things that has to happen differently than has been the case to this point is we really need to advance uh, much stronger sort of digital literacy so people can begin to recognize misinformation and, and not be uh, misled that way. How far have we already developed, do you think? There is this suggestion that 30 years from now we might not even recognize the internet or world wide web based on what we experience today which is so radically different from those burgeoning days of the 1990s what's your view on that have we almost reached some of the areas of potential already or or barely scratched the surface i think we've really barely scratched the surface uh you know when we look at uh, some areas that i'm doing work in if things like these immersive forms of media of augmented reality and virtual reality I think now we're going to see those things really develop in ways that will add a whole other layer to the to the World Wide Web and to what we do through our mobile or, as your previous speaker said, through wearable technologies. So I think people are going to be engaging in, in a whole uh, kind of uh, much richer level of, of immersive media and communication on, on the, the World Wide Web, and that will be very different in 30 years than what we have uh, today is just the beginning of that. Another concept that struck me very early on, so it was in the 90s when I first met someone who, who told me they had the internet at their home. And I remember asking, you know, what on earth is that? And uh, I remember very distinctly the conversation because the way they described it was, you know, it connects the world together. But I thought, well, if no one's online, what's the point? Um <laughs> And uh, and I and I still wonder about what on earth they were doing on on the internet in those very very earliest days. The, the point being that this might be tech, but people in their masses still are required to give it its power, right? Absolutely. I mean, if if you have a phone, but you're the only person who has a phone, you can't really do very much. And so, with each person who's who joins the network, that really starts to advance what what we can do. But I think something else that's important to think about in the the context of the web is we're having an explosion of devices. Mm. They call it the Internet of Things. I think that's something that's going to be very different in, in say, the next three decades. Most of what's been connected to the web up to now has been a lot of of people doing things. In the future, it's going to be people and other technologies connected to the web. And a lot of those will be driven by data or by algorithms or even what you know people sometimes call artificial intelligence and so i think that's going to really be a potentially transformative uh you know a form that the web will take in the decades ahead and the less people are required to to make the web what it is that opens up dystopian as well as utopian possibilities I, what's your view just finally on on how far governments should be stepping in to regulate this well, I think there should be some, uh, you know, government engagement, but I think also it, it's be important that it isn't left only to governments to try to make the uh, web a place where, where we can have a robust platform for communication and in commerce and, and conversation. 
I'd like to have more of it be led by, by people who are actively trying to build a platform for, you know, open uh, a discourse and less be, you know, controlled by governments. Uh, some people have pointed to maybe the future is going to be several different uh, webs or, or internets where, you know, there's a Chinese version, there's a European version, there's a, a you know, Western Hemisphere version. And, and that would, you know, lead us down a completely different path. So, you know, I'm hoping that we lean toward more openness, but just uh, attend to the questions of, is it some information that I can trust? Uh, what's the source? And have people be more sort of uh, well-versed in recognizing what's reliable and what isn't. Professor Pavlik, thank you also for joining us from Rutgers University. My great pleasure. Thank you. I'm sure we shouldn't be too harsh on the web because of the fact that we're probably connecting to at least a few of you listeners today through the medium itself. Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message. If you want to answer the question, is there more in your web plus column than, than minuses? But for now, let's head at 749 to our news bite with Isuyan.